The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks so much for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I think we've got a pretty exciting show to bring you today. As you know, we're coming down to the final furlong, heading towards the run for the roses. And, of course, let's not forget the girls in the Kentucky Oaks. Our guest this evening, as I set the table, is uh, first guest will be Amy Owens, who's the uh, Keeneland Communications Associate. But let me tell you, she's the quarterback of that press box up there, does a fantastic job with, with her barn notes. She knows what's going on. Uh, she's uh, been the editor of the Thoroughbred Times, uh, is boots on the ground as far as what is happening on the backstretch at, at Keeneland, who opens their doors tomorrow, a very popular boutique meet. So we'll find out about all the innovations and what's happening behind the scenes at Keeneland. And then a guy who is a Louisville born and bred but knows what's happening in the world of racing, Eclipse Award winner Marty McGee, who's been covering the circuit now for 30 years. Of course, he's got relatives uh, there and uh, Churchill Downs, pretty much in his backyard, had a chance to uh, to visit with him uh, this week at the draw for the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland. So uh, we'll be talking with both uh, with Amy and Marty on the show. Of course, we're going to be covering some of the huge races that are going to have to uh, happen this week and are going to have a big, big influence on both the Derby and the Oaks. Before I get ahead of myself, I hope you folks are pulling down your easy win forms. Another great week for winning ponies. How about this? The nighttime is the right time. Mountaineer Park. Pulled down a $1 Super 5 key, $4,612. Can't do much better than that. Yes, we did. Over at Golden Gate, a $1 Super key, $7,710. Again, we go all over the country. Went down to Sam Houston and picked off a 50-cent pick five for 1977 And then to beautiful Turf Paradise, a $1 super returning over $2,300. So come on down to e- Winning Ponies and get your easy win forms. We're going to take you to the winner circle. Well, uh, interesting news. Of course, we're going to get to the full results of the key races at Dubai. I hope you got a chance to see some of those races uh, last Saturday. The big news is, and it was news to Art Sherman, too, the trainer, is that California Chrome is headed to Royal Ascot. Less than 24 hours after making his first start, California Chrome's connections have indicated He's not going to be coming stateside anytime soon uh, after he finished second in the $10 million Dubai World Cup. Looks like he's going to be pointing towards races at Royal Ascot. Now, uh, 
The Perry Martin is the uh, primary owner, and he says he talked to uh, Art and decided they're going to Royal Ascot. It's going to be a leave a big empty stall in Art Sherman's barn. Uh, looks like he has now taken up residence in Newmarket already in the yard, as they call it, of trainer Ray Guest. Uh, he's going to get a break from serious training. He could make his next start May 16th in the JT Lockridge Stakes at Newberry, where he could meet Breeders' Cup mile winner Caraconte. Should be very interesting. He put in a game race against uh, Prince Bishop in the $10 million Dubai World Cup, uh, but the decision was made by Perry Martin. Now, uh, Art Sherman will remain the trainer of record for California Chrome. His son and assistant, Alan, is scheduled to travel to England and check on the Colt in about a month. And Robbie Mills, who works as the exercise rider for Sherman, will ride California Chrome when he resumes training later this month. So I think that's good that they keep... uh, familiar connections with him. Now, that's race, uh, the lock engine, it's a mile race, and it serves as a prep for their ultimate goal, uh, the Prince of Wales Stakes at the Royal Ascot Meet. be a very, very tough t- test. Uh, Frankel won this race two years ago, and it looks like uh, the Breeders' Cup winner, Caraconte, is pointing that way, too. Of course, California Chrome does have turf experience. He's one for one, won the grade one Hollywood Derby last December. And remember, Animal Kingdom took a similar path, shipped from Dubai to England, and trained there for a start in the Queen Anne Stakes on opening day of Royal Ascot. Sad to say he faltered and finished 11th. So it'll be interesting to see how this saga uh, rolls out. I know that Art Sherman feels that Ascot could be pretty rough on Chrome, and uh, uh, you know it was majority owner Perry Martin's call. And he's looking down the road at the future of this horse as far as a stallion and just feels that if he can make his mark in Europe, it's really going to boost his uh, book up. Again, we'll get some more news about the Dubai races during the results segment of the show. Well, uh, trainer Steve Asmussen earned win number 7,000 on April Fool's Day at Oaklawn Park. Uh, He's the six-time leading trainer out there. It came when Drama Coach won the second race there. Uh, Asmussen saddled his first winner. Let's go back a little bit, back 1986. He's second only to the late Dale Baird, who saddled 9,445 winners at the time of his death in 2007. And right now he's ranked fifth all-time among North American trainers. Of course, uh, Steve Asmussen's most notable accomplishments for training horse of the year for three straight years with two different horses, 2007 and 2009 was a great time for him. He got it with Curlin twice and Rachel Alexander. Just a slew of grade one races, but uh, he obviously won at all kinds of levels in order to get to win number 7,000. Well, it's this time of year that I hate to give this news out, but it looks like a fracture will knock far from over off the Derby Trail. That's right. The grade three Withers Stakes winner is off the trail. He's a three-year-old son of blame. He's going to undergo operation at Lexington's equine surgery this week. He was a $550,000 purchase, and uh, he's a Bay Ridgeling, broke his maiden by a nose for Todd Pletcher at the Intertrack at Aqueduct, then won the Withers in impressive fashion with a determined late run. Hopefully, Surgery will be successful, and he'll be back. Okay, we closed out a couple of meets this week, and uh, 
uh, jockey James Graham, trainer Tom Amos, and owner Maggie Moss that was on with us uh, three weeks ago topped their standings in their categories at the fairgrounds. Uh, and the horses of the meet were International Star and Ama Chatterbox. We've been covering their races uh, every week here on Winning Ponies, and as you know, they've had a heck of a run. So congratulations to Irishman James Graham and Tom Amos. It was very special for him. He's a New Orleans na- native, but his first time at this rodeo, he captured his 11th fairgrounds training title. So congratulations to them and to Maggie Moss for being the top owner. Uh, at Aqueduct, inner tracks done. And trainer David Jacobson and jockey Jose Ortiz opened up early leads and never looked back as the inner track meet came to a close on Saturday at Aqueduct. Jacobson was known for his work with claimers, but's come across quite a few stakes horses lately. Was good for a 25.6 win rate, <laughs> and. Uh, Ortiz uh, bested his brother with 67 wins. Uh, so uh, congratulations to that family. And down at Laurel, they closed out their winter meet with Sheldon Russell and Claudio Gonzalez taking the top spots. Johnny V, unbelievable. He got voted Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week again. What a performance he put on at Gulfstream Park. Three of his four winning rides were in stakes events culminating with a win aboard the Todd Fletcher-trained materialty in the Grade 1 Florida Derby. Again, Gary West and I were saying this could be a coming-out party for materialty, and it certainly was. Uh, very impressive. Everybody's knocking the slow final furlong, but they say the track was very, very dead that week. And uh, Johnny V, well, he could have a tough decision between that cult and Carpe Diem, who's going to go off the favorite in the bluegrass on Saturday down at Keeneland. Now, as far as uh, the Kentucky Derby future pool, Bob Baffert owns the top two. Doesn't own them, but he trains them. Uh, the American Pharaoh and Dortmund. Uh, American Pharaoh and Dortmund are the one-two selections in there. And after winning the big derby in Dubai, Mujahij, if I said that right, uh, is uh, is now down there as the third start was uh, sixty nine to one prior to Saturday and is now nine to one. Uh, Carpe Diem ten to one. Uh, firing line thirteen to one. Materiality twelve to one. And the mutual field that was favored is now at eleven to one. So that's a look at how it closed out in the advance. Okay, uh, some quick breeding news. Uh, Breeders' Cup Classic winner Concern passed away this week in Oklahoma. He was 24 years old. He ended up winning seven of 30 career starts for earnings of over $3 million. And Sharp Humor, who's a very nice horse, uh, died over in Korea. And, you know, many horses... Nice stallions have moved over there recently, so uh, they're going to uh, put in a bit of an investigation to see what's going on over there because uh, the other valuable and high-profile stallions that are there are Menifee, Officer, Rock Hard 10, Handsome, and Tis Wonderful. Well, again, uh, Prince Bishop, the oldest horse uh, ever to win the $10 million Dubai World Cup, bested the two Americans in both California Chrome and Lee. I already mentioned Moot 
Tajaj, if I said that early, he's going to have a chance to go to the Kentucky Derby after his win in the United Emirates Derby. And uh, Secret Circle hadn't won his last six races, ended up winning the Golden Shanine for Bob Baffert. Baffert wasn't there because the last time he showed up, he had a heart attack. So uh, he, he went ahead and passed on it. But nonetheless, uh, we'll take a look now at the last week's results with uh, that Gary uh, West joined us for. We'll start out at Gulfstream Park uh, with the ladies and the Winner was Bird at the Wire. This horse is legit, was steadied three times, wanted to just run off with Irad Ortiz, but did not, and got the job done. Uh, Eskin for Money was second, and Denusa Deluxe was third. So uh, that was a look at the Oaks. And then, of course, the, the Florida Derby, Materiality, Johnny V, now undefeated. A $400,000 son of a fleet Alex, trained by Todd Pletcher. Very, very interesting in there. Beat upstart. Race almost looked like the Fountain of Youth where they drifted out a little bit, but there was no inquiry this time. So upstart got the second spot. Amy's flatter finished third. And then we went way down yonder to New Orleans to the fairgrounds. And again, the winner... I'm a chatterbox who voted co-horse of the year down at the Fairbox Fairgrounds. Got it done. It's versatile running style. She's not really bred to go the distance, but I think we're going to see her in the Kentucky Oaks. Second was shook up. Third down on the rail, forever unbridled. And then in the Louisiana Derby, it was international star. He took the series, the Lacombe, the Risen Star, and now the Louisiana Derby. We're going to see him in the Kentucky Derby, if all goes well for Mike Maker and the Ramses. Stanford may have stamped himself a chance to uh, come in there, a Todd Pletcher trainee uh, that uh, last raced against materiality, finished second to him, and in the third spot, was War Story, the troubled gate horse, but he's finally grinding out some points. He might find himself in the derby field. Well, that's a look at last week. Now let's take a look at what's coming up this week, and that would be the unveiling of the Keeneland meet. We'll be talking to Amy Owens. You're listening to Winning Ponies. school to the pros we we cover everything everything. let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Amy Owens. Uh, luckily, no stranger to me or to you, if you've been listening to the show over the years. As you know, she's the Keeneland Communications Associate. Uh, she hails from St. Charles, Missouri. She's a graduate of the University of Missouri School of Journalism. Uh, she's been a freelance writer. Uh, she was uh, the editor of the Thoroughbred Times. Uh, she's You name it, she's done it if it had to do with, uh, with, with writing or researching horse racing. And I believe she's been up at Keeneland since about 2006. Seems like she just got the job yesterday. Amy, how are you doing? I'm well, John. Thank you for uh, inviting me to be on the show again. Well, I love it because the, the, the cool thing about Keeneland is, and I've always said this, that Keeneland could basically charge you 10 bucks at the gate, hit you in the face with a frying pan, and 30,000 people show up the next day. Well, we have 15 days of racing in April. It's really a special time Uh after a kind of a rough winter, or the end of the winter was pretty rough here, so I think everyone's looking forward to being outside and watching the horses and watching a little Kentucky basketball, too, this weekend. Uh, absolutely, you know, and lucky for you guys that they uh, decided to uh, uh, play the games a little bit later so people will still be able to come uh, to, to Keeneland during the day and then get to their favorite house party or pub because the uh, Kentucky game is the late game, so that certainly played in your favor. Yeah, we encourage everyone to wear blue, uh, and uh, I suspect there will be a few little special surprises uh, throughout the day uh, with a little U.K. theme. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, now, the, the, the spring meet races uh, are, are going to debut on dirt, um, I really think when you when you go back, I looked at your media guide and uh, so many great horses that that raced in the past and then parlayed that a- into um, triple crown victories. Obviously, I think that obviously played into the decision of of, go- of going to dirt. Um, are, are people pretty much, are you getting the vibe? I know you're on the backstretch every morning. Are, are people excited about it? Uh, are are, are the, 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 the horsemen you know, pleased with the way the track's playing? Well, we have some horsemen who are here in force. Uh, Nick Zito, who has a fermento in the bluegrass. Todd Pledger has a full outfit here, including Carpe Diem, who's the uh, morning line favorite for the bluegrass. So there's a lot of enthusiasm and great participation by trainers who had been here in the past and really seemed to like to be able to train and race on dirt. Well, as I recall, it was uh, just a year ago where you had your second largest crowd ever uh, for the bluegrass, uh, almost 40,000 people. Are you you anticipating a, a similar crowd on Saturday? 
It's supposed to be a great day. Uh, if everybody's not in Indianapolis, uh, I think they'll they'll hit here first. Uh, I'm just kidding. I think we have a gonna have a great big crowd. We have the uh, million dollar race. The bluegrass is a million dollars for the first time, and it's uh, on a card full of five graded stakes, including the Central Bank Ashland for three year old fillies. So. The racing is superb. Um, Keeneland will uh, offer the best kind of experience that anybody can have in Central Kentucky on Saturday. Well, you're you're really putting together a a, a solid, solid crowd. While I, I can't help but uh, you know focus on the bluegrass, you also have the Central back. Ashland Stakes, grade one, half a million dollars that drew together a very competitive field, including uh, the Alcibiades winner from last year, Peace and War. So uh, uh, if if you enjoy stakes, Keeneland's going to be a great place to be on Saturday. Yeah, it's great to see these horses come back meet after meet and compete here. Carpe Diem won the Claiborne Breeders 230 last October proved he really liked the racetrack. He's such a good horse, second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, so having him back is a true superstar. But there are some other horses that definitely uh, belong in the race and wouldn't surprise any of us if they won. So uh, we're very happy with the field of horses. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got Hall of Famer Johnny V is going to drive Carpe Diem, but uh, Gary Stevens is coming in on a horse that could be very dangerous after they uh, added blinkers to Fermento. Uh, Nick Zito trains this horse, and correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't Nick Zito perhaps won more bluegrasses than anybody else? He's going for his record fourth bluegrass win. So that would definitely uh, be some history on Saturday if Fermento wins. Well, you know, again, it's a it's a who's who. You got uh, Karen McLaughlin's going to be in there. Uh, Mark Cassie, of course, uh, Mike Maker. Over the last oh decade or so, has almost created a dynasty with the with the horses he has. So you're going to see the best of the best with horses and horsemen. Now, the cool thing is, is with that alone, you could open your gates and almost get 40,000 people. But you guys continue to be extremely innovative. And, of course, we know that uh, part of the, what we're all trying to do is to bring young people, and we all know how technology has, has entered into the game. And you've now got Keeneland Race Day apps uh, with everything from uh, live stream, streaming to uh, track pack coupons, uh, handicapper picks. Uh, tell me how, how you've you know, put this together and enhanced it this year? Well, I think it's a constant discussion with users, uh, comments from people, what they'd like to see. I know one thing was the live uh, streaming of the races. Um, I mean, there's a, a lot of really smart people here who work on these types of things to appeal to, to fans of all ages all experiences, all types of knowledge about uh, wagering and and uh, knowledge of horse racing. So I think we really have some great tools to help people uh, enjoy a day at the races and not be intimidated by gambling and just the whole atmosphere and the whole um, the whole scene. 
Well, you do such a wonderful job, not only, you know, trying to bring in, let's say, college-age people, but involving the community. I've been there many, many mornings for breakfast with the works, and it's so neat to see a whole other generation of kids that haven't even got to their teens being introduced to this sport in, in such a beautiful venue. So, I mean, you start there. It really, it's like Keeneland kind of sows the seeds at an early age, and you kind of follow through for the whole meet. I, again, bringing younger people in, still catering to, to the the classic betters, but you do a fantastic job at at creating new fans. And let's face it, that's what we all say we got to do, Amy. Sure. Well, it's um, it's a pleasure to work at a racetrack that puts such emphasis on making the best experience for patrons of all ages and building racing fans for the future. Now, my question is this: I'm probably keeping you awake. I get your press releases every afternoon. You are amazingly boots on the ground with the information you put out to the media about what's happening there from daybreak, from the time the last horse walks off the track. Well, it's a team effort. I I contribute. We have a lot of really good reporters who are combing the backside. We divide the horses that are in the big races and each uh, each of us follows that horse and talks to that trainer. There's so many great horses and great horsemen here that you feed off of the enthusiasm and the excitement when you see a star like Carpe Diem and, you know, a trainer like Nick Zito. And this morning I saw Roger Atfield and... Um, uh, Michael Matz, and, you know, just seeing that caliber of horsemen really adds excitement to your day. Well, it's hard to hit all the highlights and all the all the neat things uh, that, that you're going to do. But uh, one thing that really gives, talk about up close and personal touch, it is going to be uh, one of the days up, coming up on the, the Friday, April 17th, the Jackie Autograph Signing Day, and it's the it's my derby. Can you kind of touch on those events? Because it's really a chance for the average fan to get close to, to their heroes. Yeah, um, that day, Friday, April 17th, we'll have a Jockey uh, Autograph Signing in the paddock before the races from 11.30 to 12.30, and this will benefit the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. And in the evening, um, the sales pavilion here will host It's My Derby, which is a fundraiser for the Derby Museum and the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. And it's an amazing event. Wayne Lucas will be the MC Hall of Fame trainer, a, a great storyteller, and he will be asking questions of Pat Day, Angel Cordero, Chris McCarron, and Lafitte Pankai, and they'll be reliving their derby experiences and telling some stories. We're so excited about this event because, you know, a jockey like Lafitte Pankai, having him in Central Kentucky, he's more of a West Coast guy. So this is a I attended last year's event, and I have to say it's something I'm definitely attending this year. It's a great experience to relive some of these um, memories and hear the tales that are really part of racing lore. So, 
Well, I, I, I hope to be there, and I hope to see you. Real quick, I need to wrap it up, but for our audience, would you run down your schedule again? What days you'll be racing at Keeneland and uh, post time so they know when to get to their racetrack, their OTB parlor, or to get online to watch you? Sure. We open tomorrow, April 3rd. The first post is 1.05 p.m., We'll be racing um, Wednesdays through Sunday, but we are closed for racing this Sunday since it's Easter. On Bluegrass Day on this Saturday and on April 11th, another Saturday, the first post is 12.35 p.m. and we'll have 11 races uh, both of those days. So lots of action and we hope to see everyone here. All right, Amy Owens, well, uh, say hi to Amy Gregory for me and Matt May. You guys do a fantastic job of getting information out to the media and to the general public. I thank you so much for being on Winning Ponies. Well, we'll see you soon, John. Thank you very much. You know you will, rain or shine. All right, coming up next, we're going to be talking to an Eclipse Award-winning writer, a fantastic handicapper, and one of the best guys in thoroughbred racing, Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. I think he started writing for him when he was about 12 years old because he's been involved in thoroughbred racing industry for the last 30 years, and he doesn't look old enough to, to be able to put that on his resume. A graduate from a school that knows how to play a little bit of round ball, the University of Kentucky. Marty won the 2013 Eclipse Award for feature writing for a fantastic story he did in the Daily Racing Forum about Kent DeSormo and his brother. So with no further ado, the kid from Louisville, Marty McGee, how you doing, my friend? I'm trying to stay dry, John. How are you? I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate that introduction. You know, this will be my 42nd con- consecutive Kentucky Derby uh, when they run it on May the second, and uh, it would have been more, but my dad wouldn't let me go until I was in high school, so I missed secretary. But I've seen them all since then. 
<laughs> so uh, that means you started with, uh, would that be Cannonade? Cannonade, and I watched it from the infield, and I had like a little sliver of of an opening. I was, uh, they flashed by me, at, and I could just tell that it was Cannonade because he was wearing those uh, bright red and yellow silks with the uh, Angel Cordero, and uh, he was all alone. So it was, I, I saw him for maybe a, a tenth of a second, and then here came a whole bunch of other ones uh, right behind him. Well, if memory serves me well, because I was there with my brother Mark, a, a whole bunch is the word, because wasn't that the last <laughs> largest Kentucky Derby field? They had 23 in there, and after that they said, time out. You know, we <laughs> we got to address this. So, you know... They talk about limiting it to 14 or 16. I wouldn't necessarily advocate that, John. I mean, you would have eliminated a number of horses that way. I think Giacomo and, and Minot Bird in the last 10 years. So there's there's just a certain charm about us, you know, doing it just one time. Just Bernie Heddle, you know, the longtime racing official here said, just pray to God there's not an incident coming down the stretch the first time because that would just be the ultimate disaster for, I shouldn't even talk about it really, but, uh, right. You, you know, that, that would, uh, maybe lead them to go to 14 or 16, but they do come flying down the stretch the first time. You just kind of hold your breath. Well, it, as you stated, it, it certainly would have knocked out some, some legitimate horses. And, and certainly before I get on to, to this season's group, uh, my God, we've got so many legitimate horses. I want to get you read on a couple of, uh, Headline grabbers. I, I respect your opinion. Let, let's let's start with an older horse who could be our next John Henry. Shared belief. What's Marty McGee's uh, thumbnail sketch of him? Well, I think a lot of people are pulling for him to continue to be as successful as he has been, and perhaps more importantly, for him to to stay healthy for all these years. Because as you did say he was a he is a gelding, and uh, you know he's got a lot of racing under him. Of course, Jerry Hollendorfer has managed him perfectly to this point. Uh, resisted uh, running him in the Triple Crown Series last year, and and look at what he's got now. So uh, hopefully, he'll step into the shoes that apparently are going to be vacated fairly soon. Maybe not this year. Maybe next year. Uh, of Wise Dan, who we've all. Really gotten. I know you and you and I, John, really hold him in, in high esteem. And you know, I've talked about him a lot about how he kind of used to make me laugh the way he would just like run off from the from the three quarter pole all the all the way to the wire. So uh, shared belief is a lot like that, and it's just like he's got so much energy and so much speed and so much uh, talent that it's just been a joy to watch him thus far. It is exciting, the fact that uh, during his career, again, so well managed by Jerry Hollendorfer uh, that he's only lost one race, and even that under uh, uh, a curtain of uh, who knows what would have happened if, without the starting gate incident. But we'll move forward. I wanted to get your read on him, and it's exactly what I thought it would be. Next question, California Chrome. I have to admit, first of all, I was kind of in the Art Sherman camp that I thought, why go to Dubai when there's so many opportunities here? Okay, he went, did not disgrace himself, obviously running second in a $10 million race, but I was taken back by the decision to keep him in Europe. Now, I understand that uh, it looks like it was it, it's kind of a looking down the road to this horse's uh, career as a stallion. Uh, what, what's your take on the whole going from Dubai to Europe? You know, it certainly didn't enhance Animal Kingdom any. Well, I mean... 
Perry Martin explained it in a, in a blog uh, a day or two ago, and I thought he ex- expressed himself pretty well. It's just an honest disagreement between him and the other owner, Steve Coburn, and and apparently Art Sherman too. They wanted to bring the horse back home and and regroup him. I I'm kind of in the camp of saying why not? You know, this is pretty exciting. Uh, European horses come over here, uh, Asian horses come over here and run all the time. Why can't we uh, kind of repay the favor, so to speak, and have him go over there and see how he can do? I know that Animal Kingdom didn't run well in there. Uh, you might be trying to fit a square peg into a round hole by getting this horse to go a mile or whatever on, on the grass. He's relatively unproven on the grass, but it's pretty adventurous. I think it's going to spark a lot of interest, not only in, in the horse himself, because he has such a following, but also racing in general. And I, I'm not necessarily against it. You know, he's going to be very well cared for over there with Ray Guest. And, um, you know, let, let's give it a chance. And, and then if, if you want a Monday morning quarterback, it can criticize him when he runs 10th by 15 lengths, then we can. And uh, hopefully he's just going to remain healthy regardless. And, uh, you know, Maybe, hopefully he'll be back here at Keeneland for the uh, for the Breeders' Cup Classic when it's all said and done. Well, that'd be fantastic, and I and I do hear that they're going to give him a letdown time, which every horse that race at Dubai should have. We've learned, and that they're going to continue. Uh, Art Sun's going to go over there. Uh, the Gallop Boy is going to be the the regular exercise rider uh, of California Chrome. I, I read today, so I think it's kind of neat that they're. They're keeping him connected with the people that got him there. Obviously, there's going to be changes in his atmosphere and surroundings. Uh, the turf's going to be different there than it certainly is in California. But, but as you say, you know, looking down the road, perhaps there's an upside to it. God, I mean, Marty, if he does win over there, what does that do with a horse that doesn't have, you know, a world class pedigree to all of a sudden prove it on the racetrack that that he is the horse that that he is. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's a roll of the dice, but it would be cool if it was successful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I wouldn't be able to put a, a monetary value on how it would enhance his stud career, but it, it certainly would help to have a Group 1 uh, victory on the grass against some, some of Europe's best over there. So, uh, And it would it would, it would uh, prove its versatility. And, uh, you know, just overall, it would, it would be a, a feather in the cap of, U.S. racing in general, I would think. All right, before we get on to, to, to this week's races that are going to be very important, Marty, I, I want to get your insight in, into last week's Florida Derby. Uh, at first, it looked like it was going to be a Fountain of Youth uh, rematch, but the, the horse that drew my attention and my guest, Gary West, was Materiality. Uh, wow, talk about a horse with some upside. I mean, he goes from six furlongs to a mile and an eighth in, in a minor stake, and then it comes home uh, the winner of the million-dollar Florida Derby. I mean, as Pletcher caught lightning in a bottle, I know his last quarter mile was slow, but they say the track was dead. Well, there's several things to say about that. One is that he was the third choice on the morning line, which I thought was absurd. I thought he would definitely be favored over his pleasure stablemate it's a knockout and he was he was nine to five and the other horse was in the four to one range uh behind of course uh upstart was the favorite at uh, even money or so but uh that's one thing uh, another thing i thought john when i got up sunday morning and saw where the fire figures 
were 110 for materiality and 106 for upstart. I, uh, I almost fell off the practice table. I mean, I couldn't believe, given how slow the track was and the raw time was, that that translated into such a, a higher buyer speed figure for both horses. So uh, the 110 is the highest so far this year for any horse in this class. So there's that. And then also this horse record-wise is reminding me a lot of Big Brown, although Big Brown did have one race at two, and then he had two starts as a three-year-old. But he came into the Kentucky Derby with just three starts and was unbeaten, just the way that materiality is coming into this Kentucky Derby with three starts and unbeaten. However, uh, materiality had all three of his starts as a three-year-old, and we all know of the quote-unquote Apollo jinx <laughs> Back in 1882, where a Kentucky Derby winner has not won without having raced at least once as a two-year-old. So they've got that going against him. One more thing is Todd. His cup run is over. I mean, he's got uh, Carpe Diem, who I'm sure we're going to talk about here. He's going to be three to five-ish in the bluegrass. And he's got a, uh, although he did lose far from over out of the wood, he's got another horse in there in Daredevil. He's, I'm sure he's got one or two lined up for uh, the Arkansas Derby, and he'll probably have one in the Lexington week from Saturday. So, uh, you know, he, he co-holds the record for most Derby starters in one year with both Zito and, and his former boss, Wayne Lucas. Uh, I would imagine the if there was a prop bet on it, Vegas right now, it would be Pletcher, 4.5 Kentucky Derby starters this year because he is loaded as usual. Now, real quick, uh Guy, I know you know, he's, uh lives in Louisville, Mike Maker, uh, comes in with international star, impressive winner of the Louisiana Derby. He swept the entire series, the LeCompte, the Risen Star. Uh, what do you think about this son of Fusiachi Pegasus? I'm like you probably, John, and everybody else. I, I don't know what to make of it. You know, it's so ironic in that the Kentucky Oaks, the... <laughs> Every year, it's, uh, there's some absurd number, like 8 out of 17 or, and 6 out of the last 11 Kentucky Oaks winners have made their final start before the Oaks in the Fairgrounds Oaks. And conversely, it seems like no matter what happens in the Louisiana Derby, they're, they don't get any respect, and they generally do not win. So I think this horse is going to, no matter what, uh, fly under the radar, even though he's going to have Kenny Ramsey talking about him for, for weeks on end coming up to the race. But even though he did as much as he possibly could have down in Louisiana, there's still, he's still not going to get the respect. He's got to be 12 to 1, 15 to 1 by the time they, they run the race. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in what the odds say about a horse's respective chances. And that's about where he's going to be. And I, I don't know what to make of him. I'm sure he's going to train good. I'm sure he's going to. Uh, Mike's going to have him as good as he can have him, having learned as much as he has, and as good a trainer is in his own right. But the international star, he's going to be one of the many um, kind of question marks coming into this race. A horse like the one that won the UAE Derby, he's another huge question mark. I mean, how is he going to match up uh, when he gets into the 20 more field? Of course, that's a, that's a question a lot of them have to answer anyway. 
Well, again, this this is a really exciting crop of three-year-olds, both the boys and the girls. Just briefly, uh, the girls' division down there at Fairgrounds, I'm a chatterbox, did uh, pretty much shadow international star in, uh, in running the table with the Silver Bullet Day and the Rachel Alexander. Uh, the difference that, that I believe you alluded to is eight of the last 17 winners uh, of the Fairgrounds Oaks won the Kentucky Oaks. It's just a, it's an amazing number, and it will probably, in all likelihood, make her the favorite. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got a horse who, again, did as much as he could down there, and he's not going to be one of the favorites no matter what. Well, it's going to be very, very interesting. It's, it's, it's a, a great group of, of three-year-olds. And we're going to talk about a couple of them right now, Marty. Let's just let's move into a race where it looks like the race is for place, um, and that would be where you're going to be on Saturday, and that's down at the Toyota Bluegrass at Keeneland. Obviously, Carpe Diem. Uh, you know he's good looking. He brought 1.6 million dollars uh, at, at the sale. Uh, has already won at Keeneland in the uh, Claiborne Breeders Cup. Uh, futurity, uh, the uh, return to the races in the Tampa Bay Derby, while not perhaps facing the toughest field, uh, he just pulled away and looked great. Uh, so he's kind of a horse for course. Johnny V's coming in. You mentioned how Pat Pletcher is. Is the race for place? I would think so. I mean, again, I'm, I'm not being Albert Einstein here and proclaiming him a, a probable winner. They, Mike Tiger is making even money on his line. I think he's going to be more in the three to five range because it's just kind of hard to to have a lot of confidence in any uh, any of the others versus what the course is accomplished. You know, he's three for four. His only loss being a runner-up finish in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Um, you know, I was down in Florida for nine or ten weeks of winter. Uh, John and I spent five days in Tampa uh, and actually covered the race that, that he won at Tampa. He couldn't have done it much easier. Um, I know Kieran McLaughlin's horse was very disappointing, that being Ocean Knight, who was the second choice in the race. So uh, we all kind of thought that he would give Carpe Diem more of a run, but he didn't. Um, so I would think that, yeah, he has to be about three to five in here. Uh, Elliot Walden, who's one of the who's the president of Winstar, one of the co-owners of Stone Street, both he and the Stone Street people, John Moynihan and others, uh, cannot say enough good things about this horse. I know that Todd Fletcher himself was on the NPRA teleconference on Tuesday, just talking up the horse, and you know they're all nobody wants to jinx themselves. They're all <laughs> everything they say they knock on wood. They you know let's just let's. All right, Marty, well, listen, we're starting to lose you a little bit, so we're going to go to commercial break right here. Our producer says he's going to try to call you back on another line to see if we can't get it because I'm dying to get your input if we can fit in to the Ashland, the Wood Memorial, and the Santa Anita Derby. Quick break here on Winning Ponies. We're talking to Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me, Eclipse Award-winning writer and top handicapper Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to jump out west real quick to the Santa Anita Derby, grade $1 million. Uh, we could have a horse of the future in there. We don't know. His name is Dortmund. Undefeated. Draws the rail from the Bob Baffert burn. If you've watched this horse race, you've got to respect him and you've got to love him because he loves to look a horse in the eye and race him down that final furlong. Uh, what do you think? I mean, we've got it's a rematch of the San Felipe. It could be a Baffert battle one two. His own he could be his own worst enemy with this one lucky Dane that looks like he's got a lot of upside. But right now, I want to talk to you about Dortmund. He's something else, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You know, he uh, he won an allowance race here at Churchill Downs uh, back in the fall, and, and Baffert kind of jokingly at that point said it was to <laughs> it was to get him a race over the surface of Churchill, but it really is kind of coming true. If he wins the Santa Anita Derby, he'll be no worse. I wouldn't think than, than second choice in the race coming into the into the Derby undefeated uh, with American Farrell being the only horse who who would be favored over him if in fact he wins uh, the following Saturday at Oakland Park in the Arkansas Derby. But uh, I know that Bob has just been over the moon with with Dortmund, uh, really excited about the way he's trained, the way all his races have unfolded, the game that he has shown, the seasoning he has he has uh, gotten along the way. So uh, uh, he, too, is one of those guys just knocking on wood, hoping that uh, everything stays together uh, as they proceed toward uh, here in Louisville. Well, do you agree with my opinion that one lucky Dane could actually, with his running style and as close as he is to him on the rail, perhaps hurt Dortmund and, and set it up for who looks like an improving horse like Prospect Park? I, I guess he could. You know, I actually, for, for the forum, I actually picked Prospect Park in the race, uh, uh, that's a lot of that is me being a big Kent Sorno fan. I hope he gets a real live shot coming back here to uh, to the Derby. But I think that Dortmund's strictly the one to beat. You know, he just might outclass his uh, his Baffert stablemate, one lucky Dane. Some, sometimes it looks, John, on paper, as you well know, like uh, the speed is going to cancel each other out. But oftentimes it doesn't work that way actually on the racetrack. So I would I would have to think that. Uh, that Dortmund's going to outrun his stable mate and then, and then be looking to hold off a prospect part. Well, class may well prevail in there. Again, the Santa Anita Derby, million dollars, grade one. They'll be uh, going a mile and an eighth, so they're stretching out a little bit. But, again, Dortmund could be a huge star of the future. 
I hope you've seen him run because uh, he has got one big heart. Let's go to the other coast right now, uh, the Wood Memorial, uh, a key derby prep. And in here, horses that uh, have faced each other. I I guess the the El Kabir, obviously, is going to be the one to beat in here. But uh, I think what we're going to find out is, is Daredevil a real derby horse? You know, I think he's going to run good in this race. John, but even if he if he runs real big, I don't know if he'll be considered one of the favorites because he does seem to have some distance limitations as opposed to some of the other ones. Uh, El Kabir in there, he's he's been a lot like International Star, who we talked about in that. Uh, no matter what he's been doing, it doesn't seem like he's getting much respect either. I think he was in the thirty or forty-one range in the in the most recent uh, future wager pool, um, and then you've got. Uh, Frosted for for Karen McLaughlin. I think those are the three: El Kabir, Daredevil, and Frosted. Karen, when we started out down in Florida this uh, the first of December, he had like five possibilities for the Derby. He had Ocean Knight, who fell off the Derby trail in the uh, in the Tampa Bay Derby. He had Matuk, who was uh, slightly injured, and then he had uh, um, Imperia, who he had to scratch from the. Uh, spiral. So now he's down to this classy class in the bluegrass, and, and then I guess that Frosty would have to be his best chance to make the derby. So I'm kind of pulling for Kieran. I always, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his, so uh, hopefully Frost is going to give a great account of himself in the Wood Memorial on Saturday. Now, I'm not sure if you've had any inside information on this. I do know that uh, you, you know, you're well-connected down at Gulfstream, but um, it looks like he's made a jock change from Irad Ortiz to Joel Rosario in this race. Was he, by any chance, uh, disappointed because of the bumping in the Fountain of Youth? So, do you know anything about the jock change? No, I don't know anything about that. I think Jose Ortiz was a jock on. Doesn't he ride... Um... Upstart, Lieutenant Colonel, you're talking about. It, it looks like yeah. I read is, is riding Lieutenant Colonel in here. Yeah, I, I don't really know. I, you know, Ron Anderson and I are pretty good friends. I'll catch up with him on that because uh, he he represents Joe Rosario. I guess that for some reason uh, I read was is he riding another horse in the in the wood? I haven't looked that close at it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Marty, he's riding uh, Lieutenant Colonel who. Uh, Broke its maiden at Gulfstream and then came back and ran a dismal race in the uh, in the Gotham. Finished tenth uh, yeah. after being bumped at the break. So well, yeah, I'm just wondering. You know, I know you're connected, so I just thought I'd, yeah. I'd ask. But I know yeah. you don't know everything. Well, my okay. producer's telling me we're down to about a minute and a half. Uh, but I know he, this is a race that that, that you looked at. Uh, you were there for the draw the other day. Uh, the Ashland Stakes, half a million dollars. Three-year-old fillies, lots of points for the Oaks in here. The, the, the horse that kind of draws my attention here is evenly matches this race is 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 lovely Maria Larry Jones, very dangerous horse show that didn't mind it uh, at Keeneland uh, running second. It's a uh, first start there. I just like the fact that this horse ran second to Ama Chatterbox and that Kerwin Clark blew the whip in that race. Yeah, I mean, I, she's my selection also, lovely Maria. You know, Larry's like uh, Todd Pletcher in the Derby. He always seems to have a lot of fillies. He's actually won the Kentucky Oaks a couple times. So I think she's going to be real tough in there. And what you said, again, is, is a pretty well-matched race, John. Oh, it, it really is. And I, and I think Mike Battaglia, you know, that this is one of the most even uh, – 
races that I've seen as, as odds have been put up. And uh, I think he was forced to put Peace and War as the favorite off the Alcibiades. But, you know, you've always got to put a question mark with the horse uh, making its its return to the races in a grade one. Uh, he might, he may be right. He may be not. I know the horse did have, uh, she rather, uh, did, did have some, some physical problems uh, over the winter. I hope she's good. She put in a huge race first time on Lasix, uh, in the Alcibiades. And, uh, I did notice that the track was wet fast. And from what I understand, instead of taking your car, you might be taking a canoe to Keeneland over the weekend. Yeah, it's really supposed to rain like three plus inches overnight and into tomorrow. So, uh, Hopefully, though, the wind and the sun will dry things out. We're going to be in a lot better shape on Saturday, uh, racing surfaces-wise, than, than on Friday. All right. Well, uh, in, in that case, I hope to see you under the sunny skies down there in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, we've been talking with Eclipse Award winner Marty McGee. Marty, thank you so much for your time and for your analysis of all these races. And uh, really, uh, just... Appreciate the time you take with us here on, on Winning Ponies, and I love your insight. All right. Appreciate it, John. Thanks, thanks uh, to you and your staff. All right. While we were talking with Marty McGee, I want to thank Amy Owens. Again, huge races. CBS Sports will be carrying several of the races uh, that we talked about today. Again, uh, at Keeneland, it's the Toyota Bluegrass and the Central Bank Ashland Stakes. All of these races are going to have implications on the Derby and Oaks as far as points and horses getting in. Out west, what a great race, the Santa Anita Derby, and over at Aqueduct, the Wood Memorial. Well, that's going to close out another show here at Winning Ponies. want to remind you, get up on our site, get those easy win forms. We've been knocking them dead and bringing you home some winners. Thanks again. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.